fullback belly. Three tight ends, including Haydner. Kuhn is the fullback with the first and goal. Kuhn gets the ball. Final Welcome to the latest episode of the Fantasy Fullback Dive, brought to you by the good people at the Roto Street Journal, paving your way to fantasy excellence, acting as your lead blocker to fantasy glory, all the good stuff that you're hoping to get out of a fantasy football website, out of a fantasy football podcast, we're bringing it all to you, and this is episode eight out of eight, we hit every division, we're we're actually doing this, now we did start about eight minutes late today, so we apologize to anyone who's been hanging around, had some software difficulties, but we're doing it, this is the AFC South, it's not the most exciting division in the league, but it's probably not the worst, uh, like least exciting division in the league either. And this is it. This is going to complete the division, uh, you know, masterpiece, extravaganza, whatever you want to call it. My name is Nat The Truth Jones. I'm your host. With me, as always, in a hot, stifling apartment on the North Shore, <laughs> the Wolf of Rhoda Street himself. How you doing? Uh, I'm doing – I'm hot, Nat. <laughs> I was going to say I'm doing great, but I'm not going to lie to you folks out there. I am dying over here. I do have AC, but if I put it on and the, the audio gets picked up, I'm a little less clear on here. So those are the sacrifices. you got to have to deal with a real sweaty wolf on the screen here if you're with the video. But for you podcast listeners, I'll go through hell and back to make sure I get you crystal clear audio. But I am doing good, Nat. I'm pumped. I can't believe we've made it through all eight divisions. It seems like just yesterday we were starting up with the NFC. Uh, we got a doozy here with the AFC South. Some real shitty teams but a couple loaded studs to get into as well. So I can't wait to dive into this with you. Yeah, there's some good stuff. There's all, I mean, I feel like at least half the divisions that we've done, I've said at the beginning, like, wow, what a steaming pile of shit. Um, so maybe that's more just a reflection that most divisions top to bottom are very good. This certainly falls into that category. Like <laughs> I said, it's not the worst, but it's like, I don't know, sixth best out of eight, something like that. It's not, I mean, it's not good. <laughs> what, what's a good division? Tell, tell me what divisions you think are good. I'd say the NFC West. I'd say the AFC North, the one we did yesterday, has a real potential, especially if the Bengals, like, it burrows the real deal and that offense takes off. I think that that's going to be a tough division each and every week. The uh, the one with the, the Seahawks, the 49ers. NFC West, and I think maybe NFC North also. It's right, not, exactly. It's not bad. I mean, we'll see if the Bears are any good. If the if Fields is the real deal, we know the Lions won't be, but otherwise it's going to be a right, good the, division. Right, the Lions right. will not be good. All right, right. so anyway, right. like that's like three divisions. Anyway. Uh, without further ado, we're going to get right into the AFC South, and we're going to start with a team that is probably the centerpiece of just about everybody's fantasy lineup, the Houston Texans. Before you go, Nat, oh, you know what I'm going to ask for. I'm going to be my <laughs> slutty self. You guys aren't uh, – if you guys are enjoying the content, please consider giving us a thumbs up. It helps us get out to more people, continue to grow the wolf back a free and easy way. Get your questions on, and you guys know we'll answer them all live after we get through these teams in about 40 minutes. And if you were catching the replay but you have questions – as you should know by now, I answer them all in the comments and, of course, at Roto Street Wolf as well. So thank you guys in advance. If you consider giving us a thumbs up, it would mean the world to us. Thank you, guys. All right. With that said, like I said, anyway, you're probably building your fantasy team around the Texans. And so we're going to start off with them, right? <laughs> right. We're going to start with every, yeah. <laughs> anchor of any respectable fantasy team. Quarterback 28 on your projections board, Tyrod Taylor. You got him at 295 out of 480. 3,400 yards, 21 touchdowns, 11 picks, 63 rushes for six, 346 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, I don't even see him on your big board. Like he might not have even been on your top. It's possible I overlooked him, but it's possible he didn't make your top 35 or whatever. You're not that excited about Tyrod Taylor. Certainly not. No, I, I, there's no real reason to draft him unless you're in one of those very, very deep best ball leagues and you have a horrible quarterback situation. But even still, there's like the risk that Deshaun Watson could return right. and end up playing for them. I don't expect him. I don't think he'll play a snap. And I guess we should start at the top in that sense. Like if Watson plays – then this team does become mildly interesting, mildly entertaining mildly. Uh, because this guy did lead the league in passing last year. But assuming he's out and it seems like he won't, he himself doesn't want to play it down. Plus there's the mystery of what's going to happen with his legal situation. We don't need to speculate on that. So we're going to go through these assuming Tyrod Taylor is the quarterback, in which case you're not going to want to draft pretty much any of these Texans, including Tyrod Taylor. The one thing he has going for him is he can run. He is mobile. So there's a little bit of leg point upside there. 
but ultimately there's really not much uh, disgusting quarterback situation. I know we're going to turn our attention to the backfield as it says right here to Dontrell Hillard. It, that's then like that's Mark Ingram. I talked to the uh, Rotoviz guys. They, I think they fixed it at this point, but right before we went live, Mark Ingram was not in there. So assume that is Mark Ingram. Uh, nah, I just wanted to kind of give you that preface as well, but yeah, Tyrod Taylor, no need to spend much time on him. There's no reason to draft him. We're still not going to talk very much about Mark Ingram. Yeah. Uh, so you may have done a little bit of flipping between Philip Lindsay and David Johnson. When I did my research, and I know you've changed some stuff, and I may have missed this, I had them getting a pretty even split with Johnson getting a few more. I think you've changed that so it's actually Lindsay getting a few more. Is that right? Yes. So Lindsay's been the first guy in in both preseason games. In fact, Mark Ingram came in ahead of David Johnson when he played in the second preseason game. So once Ingram's in there, I'm going to flip those guys even further. Johnson's come in a couple third downs, but he's the clear third fiddle here, which is kind of wild because he had a great end of last year. And that's also wild to even say he outscored December Derrick Henry in December, David Johnson did last year, but the team seems to no new coaching staff. And I guess I should have started at the top with that is Cully comes in there from the Ravens, the Ravens passing game coordinator, nothing like making the passing game coordinator of the worst passing attack last year as your head coach. Great idea. Texans. They are just a dumpster fire of an organization that that's all to say. I think this team is going to be hideous. Uh, the lowest amount of plays run as a team, 418 rush attempts, 480 pass attempts, low volume for everybody involved at all facets of the game, including the backs, including the the quarterbacks. They're going to be so bad that they're going to need to try to put up points. I just don't think they have the horses anywhere on the field to be able to do so. Unless, again, of course, Deshaun Watson plays, everything in these projections will change. But as of now, it's just hideous. A a gross overall offense, a gross play caller. And and speaking of David Culley, he comes again, as I said, from the Ravens. They love their three-man committees. Always, you know, their whole thing is to mess with defenses like you know who's going to be our back maybe a good real life strategy horrible for fantasy football so i there's nobody in the running game yeah Lindsay's starting yeah he's going to get the most volume i see a lot of people tweeting about that but it's going to be the worst offense in the nfl if deshaun watson's not playing do we really want any piece of a three-headed nightmare as you see it right here 146 carries for Lindsay, less than 600 yards for tds 125 for david johnson 500 yards Four TDs. Mark Ingram probably going to have more TDs than any of the two at like five with another 75 carries there. You look at the, the way I distributed it, 35, 30, 20, and 15 to the quarterback. That is just not a ground pie anybody wants to be involved in. <laughs> All right. I'm going to make two quick points about the backfield. We've already spent too much time on the Houston Texans backfield. But yes. <laughs> you know, first thing is you've got Lindsey and Johnson both in the fifties, as far as your running backs on the big board. So the, the, no interest of any kind for real. It's also, you brought up the three headed monster. It's the worst kind of three headed monster. Cause it's three guys that have all been the guy before, right? Like it's David Johnson. It's Philip Lindsay. It's Mark Ingram. These are guys that have all had some degree. And in, in Johnson's case, a, a huge amount of success. Other places, these guys all think they should be the guy. They're all going to want their touches. And uh, right. what a bunch of garbage. And I think that's a really good point, too, Nat. Is it's not like a, a Patriots backfield when you know James White's at least getting the catches. You know Damian Harris is going to get a lot of the carries. And there might be a third guy who works in here, like Ramondre Stevenson, every now and again to give Harris a breather. All three of these guys can do it on every down, and that's probably the point of it is they're going to have them just alternate series after series, no rhythm, no cadence, no consistency, nothing. Just don't. Just don't. The answer to the Houston Texas backfield is no. I hate it. Uh, you did talk before about how if Deshaun Johnson or Desha- Deshaun Watson sorry, doesn't play, you don't want to touch anybody else in this team. The one guy on the team I don't hate is Brandon Cooks. That's going to be their you. wide receiver one. You've got him going for 79 catches, a little over 1,000 yards, five touchdowns. That's on 125 targets. Um, that's good enough only for your wide receiver 46 on projections. you got him 39 on the big board. I don't know if, if that's low or maybe it's just like I'm trying, kind of looking for a diamond in the rough. It's hard to argue he's going to produce much more than that. But for some reason, I don't take him as I don't mind him as a late round stab. Uh, You've got Nico Collins as the next guy. So it's like falling off a cliff a little bit after that. You got him for 44 catches, 555 touchdowns. Uh, Not much to get excited about. Although I said I do kind of like Cooks as a talent still. 
Yeah, I, I think Cooks actually especially, shouldn't be excited about him, but you should be excited about what you could get at his price. He's going in round nine, round 10, and this is going to be a clear alpha. I mean, he already was the number one, and that was with Will Fuller there. He, he's he's clearly and consistently put up 1,000 yards wherever he's at. Now, he's been blessed with Drew Brees and Brady. Like he's, he's won the lottery in terms of quarterbacks year in and year out until this year. Right. Uh, but but still, he did not only, win the lottery this year. No, sure didn't. This is going to be the first year he's really played with a bad quarterback his entire career. So this will be a good measuring stick for like how good is this guy actually? Can he do a thousand yards when he has complete steaming pile of shit throwing to him? Maybe. I, but I do think he is interesting because one, there's no one else to throw to on a team that's going to be very often playing from behind, probably exclusively playing from behind this year. So that could be a lot of volume. You see, 125 ish targets if they actually play at a faster pace than I'm anticipating maybe that gets bumped up to 150 he hits 1100 and like seven touchdowns you got yourself a nice little steal there in round seven you know round eight nine ten where he's going so I, I actually do like Brandon Cooks he is the single player on the Texans I'll actually invest in maybe Nico Collins really late who's been impressing in camp big body guy could be a red zone threat the only issue is if you're never in the red zone a red zone threat doesn't really matter so yeah there, there's nothing here besides Brandon Cooks that interests me I don't even think we should even talk about the tight ends like yeah three names Jordan Nakins like what what's the point we don't why spend any if you're interested the wolf's got him as his tight end 45 on the big board <laughs> yeah you sprint go get him <laughs> absolutely right. you, you must you can't miss jordan akins my god yeah. and those uh seldom used but still very prestigious three tight end leagues that sometimes people play in he might Ooh. be a, a late round <laughs> pickup right uh, oh, yeah man. we're gonna move on we're gonna move Let's on to a team who is brandon cooks that's all you need to know for the texans marginally better team uh but not a team i'm too excited about the Indianapolis Colts, of course, big change coming in. They they bring in Carson Wentz, uh, who immediately gets injured. And, you know, it seems seems like it's not looking great. I think he's maybe back at practice or whatever. Anyway, uh, Carson Wentz, 371 for 549, a little over 4,100 yards, 29 touchdowns, 16 picks, 51 rushes for 204, two touchdowns. That's good enough for quarterback 22 on the projections board, but you got him down at 30 on the big board. You're not a believer in Wentz. I'm not a believer in Wentz either. Certainly not fantasy wise. I'm not touching that no matter what. Yeah. I'm actually surprised he comes out that high on my projections. It's I guess ranked a little bit lower one because of the injury risk, as we've already seen in training camp, he is expected to be back for week one, which is great for everyone here, especially Jonathan Taylor and the receivers to have a quarterback that's actually competent under center. The one like scenario that could play out well for Wentz is he was on pace for the MVP season when he had Frank Reich as his offensive coordinator. They love each other. They've There's always been this bromance between them. Wentz has like openly talked about while he was with the Eagles, how he wanted to get back to being with Reich. They traded a, a potential first rounder to go get him. And, and Reich has just completely sucked him dry ever since he arrived there. So there is this like marriage that has worked before. But if Wentz is anything like what we saw last year, it doesn't matter who the play caller was. This guy couldn't find his receivers with any type of accuracy. I, I would also say, too, though, the one other thing that's intriguing about this Colts team is they they are ranked in the top like five and projected points by Vegas. And Vegas always is pretty good at nailing like the best offenses. I don't know where those points are coming from, who yeah. they're going towards, but it's something just to note and pay attention to because I think all of us out there projecting this offense is like, uh, gross, stay away besides Jonathan Taylor. Whereas Vegas is like, yeah, this offense is sneaky to be a top five team in the NFL. It's a tricky balance. I don't see it, but Vegas also often sees things I don't and gets it right. So that's right. I talked about there. <laughs> Ve no, Vegas, Vegas is right more than they're wrong. And you saying that gives me a little bit of pause, but I don't see it. Uh, I, we'll me talk a, about the rest of the players and we'll see. And, you know, I've, I've certainly been proven wrong before, and maybe this is one where I'm going to get proven wrong again. We'll see. Uh, the stud of this team, fantasy-wise, and I guess just in reality, is Jonathan Taylor. He's yeah. there running back out of the backfield, 269 for 1,400 yards, 13 touchdowns to go along with 38 catches for a little over 300 yards and a touchdown. He's followed by two, I'm not going to say like big names, but known commodities in Naheem Hines, who got rushing maybe 60 times for 250 and two touchdowns, catching 60 balls. That's his yeah. big 62 balls for 465, four touchdowns. You got him getting 78 targets. That's not nothing. 
And then Marlon Mack, who like seemed to be on the cusp of greatness a couple times in his career and always got hurt right before that happened. You got him getting 74 carries for around 300 yards and a touchdown. Rankings for these guys, you got Taylor eight projected points, but you got him down at 11 on the big board. Hines, you got actually projected at 39, but down at 51 on the big board. And then Max in the 70s on both lists. Yeah, that seems about right. Uh, Taylor, I mean, if this guy was handed the bell cow work, which he was last year, towards the end of the stretch, nobody outscored him over his last four games. The guy was an absolute monster. He's always been a joy to watch. Maybe one of the best five talents as a runner in terms of just a bull, but he can also catch. Like, he deserves pure stallion workhorse treatment. And Frank Reich's come out and said, like, he's the first man up. He earned it last year. So I like all of those things, but I also hate the fact that it took a Jordan fucking Wilkins injury for Taylor to actually be handed those reins full time. I don't think Hines is just going to disappear. He's a good receiver. The team has hyped him up again throughout camp. So that's going to kind of cap the receiving ceiling for Taylor. Marlon Mack, you know, coming off the Achilles shouldn't be a factor, but I guess he's looking explosive in camp and good for him. You know, I'm not saying I'm rooting against him. So for the sake of Taylor to be a better fancy product, like I'd love to see Marlon Mack recover from, an, uh, you know, the Achilles tear, because that just doesn't happen very often at the running back position. In fact, over the last 10 years, some nobody has come back and actually had a meaningful season off an Achilles tear. And I don't think Mack will have a meaningful season, but he could be just involved enough to keep Taylor a little bit capped as he was last year. Love the player. Just hate the coach who always insists on a hot hand committee approach. That should always be Taylor with the hot hand. It just wasn't always last year. And I can't sit here and say I'm a hundred percent confident it's going to be again. So he typically falls to about round two for me. And uh, he's usually going in round one. Somebody else is going to take that leap ahead of me. Yeah. I feel exactly the same way. I think, I mean, I like him, but I, I think other people like it more than I do. <laughs> Just to be clear with that too, though, like if at the end of the year we're sitting here saying Jonathan Taylor is the number one running back in fantasy and Wright just decided to give him four, you know, 350 touches like he deserves. Well, that, that I am more like that could easily happen because again, it's a player I believe in. I have no doubt if he got the work, he could finish number one. I just, it's again, a question about the work, but none of us will be shocked if he is the number one player because of how damn good he is. They're loving too. The best quote I read is like, he's helped them just completely turn around their identity in terms of like, you don't want to play this guy in joint practices. He is just steamrolling defenders left and right, like setting this physical tone to the offense. They're saying Pittman is doing the same at the receiver position, just laying people out down the field. I like that. Like as a football fan, I like hearing about this team just kind of getting a little gritty, getting a little like tough. And uh, you, you don't picture the Colts like that since Peyton Manning's no. finesse, like, you know, pretty little offense. It sounds like they're like embracing the fact that Taylor is the steamroller. And maybe that will lead to some more volume than we're expecting. I, I still don't buy it till I see it, though. Yeah, I don't usually think of the Colts as a tough team either, although I think Marvin Harrison did like shoot somebody uh, a few <laughs> years true. ago, but that was after he was retired. Right. Um, <laughs> so that's the counterpoint. Yes. Um, let's talk receivers. So receiving, we got we got two. We got the corpse of T.Y. Hilton, who you've got projected <laughs> for a whopping 51 catches for 700 yards and six touchdowns on 84 targets. And then you got Michael Pittman, who you were all about. You know, you you were all about him last year for a while, and I was highly skeptical. And I'm still highly skeptical. 57 catches, 735, six touchdowns for him, also on 84 targets. So pretty even split amongst those guys. You got them ranked right around the same, both on your projection list and your big board, right around 60. Yeah. I, I mean, T.Y. Hilton, maybe Wentz can kind of revive him for one or two last seasons. Wentz does, for all his faults, have a, a strong arm. So maybe just maybe they're saying that was a good rapport early in camp before Wentz got hurt. Maybe just maybe that can get reignited for a single season. I've always loved Hilton as a player, but he's certainly on the back nine. He had two useful games last year and was just a huge dud the rest of the year. So I'm not going out there seeking out T.Y. Hilton. I guess the only thing working in his and also all these receivers favor is they have the second easiest schedule throughout the year and one of maybe the easiest in terms of the playoff schedule as well for these Colts receivers. So there is a little upside there. If there's one that is going to explode and be like an 1100 10 TD guy though, that would be Michael Pittman. As you said, I hyped up on him last year. I still believe in the player, believe in the talent. I think he's a very physical guy a possession guy, helpful in the run game. Uh, there are a lot of comparisons to Michael Thomas coming out of college. I, I loved him. I thought the Colts got a steal with him in round two and I still wouldn't be shocked if he grew into himself 
there's just a lot of receivers going in his range. Terrace Marshall, Marquez Callaway, uh, you know, a bunch of these round 10, 11 guys that I just like significantly more in terms of their offenses or their target share or just their, their, their ability. I just don't land Pittman really ever, even though I did love the player coming in. I still, I, I'm not buying Wentz that much. And I think it's, it, Reich's, again, just like he does with his backfield, always been a big believer in just spreading that wealth, which might make a good overall offense. And maybe that is why Vegas likes these guys. They might put some points up on the board, but you just might not. And I, you'll they might, they might not, though. They might not. They, as well. they, they might not. Like, you know, it's kind of like when you talk about Pittman and it's like, you know, a lot of these guys you like and guys that I like, they, a lot of them are physical specimens. A lot of them are good talents. It's like you talked about like Nico Collins. Oh, he's a big body, blah, blah, blah. It's like the same thing with Pittman and a guy like him. And I'm not necessarily comparing them directly, but it's like there's always going to be somebody I want more. Exactly. And I, I'm so I mean, I'm not going to own these guys. And no, so, me either. Like, and behind them, Pascal, no. Paris Campbell's a buzzy name, and a lot of people like him. He flashed before he got hurt last year, but. He's run as the fourth receiver so far this preseason. I again, I, I, there's just nobody, as you're saying. Like, I'm always going to go somewhere else before you, any of these wide receivers. And now we talk tight ends. Nothing to get excited about here. I mean, our, our buddy Jack Doyle, who was an RSJ darling years ago. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, for some reason, the pro- uh, adjustments you made to your projections in the last couple hours, you actually upped the tight end numbers a little bit for both these guys. Jack Doyle, 45 catches, 459, three touchdowns. Mo Ali Cox, 42 catches, 525, four touchdowns. So uh, kind of even split there. You've got them on your big board. You got Doyle 35, Ali Cox 36. Projections, you have them both significantly higher, although not that high. Uh, you got Cox at 21 and Doyle at 25. Yeah, it's the reason I bumped him up, Nat, and the receivers kind of took a ding because of it. The more I dug into Reich, he's always targeted the tight end position 25% or higher in all but one year so far with the Colts. And that kind of carries over from the Eagles. We've seen, you know, all those years with Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard, but also beforehand too, there was always a heavy target share going to the tight end. So that's kind of the offense he's always been bred in. It's just a matter of, I don't love either player. You had Jack Doyle. I love him. for being oh, yeah, right. I love Jack Doyle as a person, as a human. Yes, right. exactly. As a physical talent, not doing no, a whole not lot anymore. No. Sure. Steady hands. It might move the chains every now and again, but not the the touchdown threat he used to be. <laughs> that really never existed, anyways. We just right, kind of it, it existed in our mind. He won a couple <laughs> RSJ week, weekly Nutcracker awards at the tight end position. I believe exactly right. Yeah, you'd have those random like two touchdown days. You're like Jack motherfucking Doyle. <laughs> you know, we might have another one or two of those every now and again. I do will always love the guy because the one time I made him like my must play, he had a ten catch one TD day against the. Titans. Oh, I remember. I'll always have a soft bar. I used him, you know, again, I, I give advice that I use and I used him in all my lineups that week. Cause I had a, a guy on by that I owned across all my leagues and Doyle came through. So always will have a soft spot in my heart. I, I guess there's a, just a little bit of unsexy upside to one or two of these guys because of the, the amount of peppering they get from Frank Reich. But if I'm going to go in on one, I'm going to go for Mo Alley Cox, six, five athletic, like flashed a ton of different times throughout last year. And there's no more Trey Burton. Like, I wouldn't be surprised to see a useful fantasy tight end come from the Colts, but good luck picking out which one that's going to be. I think they're going to both another cheese nibbling situation. Plus Kyle Granton, an impressive rookie has, has apparently been better than both of them throughout camp. So I think a good tight end is going to maybe emerge from the Colts, but I I'm not going to spend my valuable draft capital figuring out who that is. I'll let it play out and maybe attack him on the waiver. If right. somebody seems Sounds considered. like a possible waiver pickup, if anything. Exactly. All right, let's move on to the Jacksonville Jaguars, who for some reason, I don't watch much preseason football. I've watched more than usual this year. And for some reason, I've seen the Jaguars twice. And yeah, well, they, they keep putting them in the primetime spots because of the rookie, Trevor Lawrence. Well, let me just say I am pretty unimpressed with what I'm seeing. I know it's preseason. <laughs> they look Often I watch with the sound off because I listen to podcasts. So I've headphones on. And so I've just kind of got it on in the background. So I don't know what the announcers are saying, but let me tell you something. This team does not pass the eye test right now. And also as a separate note, I hate urban Meyer. So I cannot tell you how much I want this team to fail. And (laughs) it really seems like they are failing, uh, you know, just they just look miserable to me. Lawrence, (laughs) Lawrence looks terrible to me. I mean, I don't, you know, 
I, I don't know what to say. Well, we'll get into the numbers, and if you want, we can talk about the team a little bit. But you agree. It sounds like you're agreeing with everything I'm saying right now. 100%. They've looked hideous so far. And not only do we hate Urban Meyer, it sounds like emerging today, reports are the team hates Urban Meyer. Oh, well, that doesn't shock them. me at all, but I'm really glad to hear that. It's it's that. one of those – this was the report I was reading this morning, that, that one of the assistant coaches under, like, Meyer's direction has a megaphone and, like, a microphone every day, and he goes in it and is yelling, like, at play. Players, like hurry up to your next drill like no time for water get out get out there let's go and like it's just like chasing players around as if they're fucking high schoolers like i'm all for good hard coaching and and you know belichick the the pinnacle of good hard coaching but treating these guys like they're fucking two-year-olds yeah. on a mighty might team like no way this locker room's gonna stay under him i think he is a <laughs> surefire lock to be the first coach fired this year. Like I, I think this experiment is going down extremely fast. I hope he doesn't take Trevor Lawrence who coming out of college was like the surefire candidate yeah. prospect. If anyone's going to fuck him up though, it's, it's going to be urban Meyer. People were talking about Trevor Lawrence, like uh, along the lineage of like, you know, your surefire quarterbacks that come out, like your John Elway's your Andrew Lux like guys that like you're just like, oh, he's going to be great. Like no, no question about it. And so, I mean, I, I tend to pay attention, you know, in the NBA when that happens, they're like, oh, this LeBron guy, he's going to be real good. It turns out he was really good. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, so I tend to think that people know what they're talking about. And I don't hate Lawrence per se, but he has not impressed me at all so far. Here's the numbers you've got projected for him. You got 322 out of 490. Uh, a little over 3,500 yards, 27 touchdowns, 12 picks, 48 rushes for 312, and another three touchdowns. That's good enough for only quarterback 25 on your projection board. You've actually got him at 16 on your big board, which seems <laughs> unbelievable, unbelievably high to me. And just I, th- there's some issues I have with some of your Jaguars rankings in general. This is not my biggest issue, but I would just implore you to pull him down. He is not the 16th most coveted quarterback. He should not be 16 on your big boy. Yeah, he's going to get a bump down. I, that discrepancy is way too high. Uh, and, you know, the the reason I'm down on him, I guess we can start over here. You see the rush attempts, 480, pass attempts, 500. Their offensive coordinator, Daryl Bevel, is in 10 of his 14 years, been the most run-heavy guy, uh, or top 10 in rush attempts, rather. The last time he had a rookie quarterback, he led the NFL in rush attempts with the Seahawks. That was Russell Wilson. Their passing game coordinator is Brian Schottenheimer. And the reason that name should make your ears curl is he was the, the guy, offensive coordinator for the Seahawks the last however many years that we've been saying, let Russ cook, let Russ cook. He's the guy that continues to go back to the run over and over again. They hired him as their passing game coordinator. Like that is hideous beyond all. They just recirculate these guys. It's like you get, you lose your job and you know, there's only 32 teams. So in theory, there's only 32 positions in the world where, where you could get this and you could just objectively be the worst going at that position. And someone else takes a gamble on you. Doesn't and then often a team after that too. I like know. You, have, you have to be so bad to not get another job in the NFL. Like all, you just got to get your foot in the door somehow. And then you've just got some sort of gainful employment for life. Exactly. Yeah. It, it blows my mind. These guys continue to get jobs, but uh, all that to say is I think they're going to be among the most run heavy teams. So all these people projecting big seasons for Lawrence, cause he was so good in college, which I get, I, I understand the talent and guys, I really respect Evan Silva said Lawrence would be one of his breakout quarterbacks. I love Silva. I think he's one of the smartest in the industry, but that is just not a take I'll ever get on board with. I guess the one thing I I'm happy about is, and sorry to Tebow, you know, a guy that I respect, a hard worker, all that good stuff. But the fact that he's gone makes me feel just a little bit better about Lawrence because sure. I could have seen that being like a Taysom Hill coming in and stealing rushing work. Lawrence is sneaky athletic. He could end up running in for like five, you know, eight touchdowns or so, depending on what type of plays they call. So it's going to be very, very run heavy. I think it's going to cap Lawrence's ceilings. He's to reach any type of ceiling, going to need some rushing touchdowns. Because otherwise, I don't see this going anywhere. It's an awful offense and an awful team. All right. Well, let's talk about the running back one who is at least worth talking about. Of course, yeah, uh, Etienne out for the year as if yeah. things weren't already bad for these guys. So James Robinson, who was actually a legit fantasy stud last year, Absolutely. is now the you'd have to say the undisputed top running back. 259 carries for a little over 1,400 yards for you. That is a significant chunk of any 
ground pie, eight touchdowns, adding 38 catches for 270 and another two scores. He is backed up by, you know, I know I'm using the corpse reference a lot, but he's backed up by the corpse of Carlos Hyde, which is only slightly worse than the animated actual living body of Carlos Hyde, who is going to be rushing 134 times for 600 yards, five touchdowns, according to the Wolves projections, adding another 25 catches for not much yardage. You've got Robinson by projection as your running back 13. You've got him at 17 on the big board. Hyde, you've got at 47 and 49, respectively. Not excited about him, obviously. Yeah, and I actually just kind of bumped both of those numbers down as you were talking. I was like, that's 5.5 yards per carry. I think I had that in for Etienne because he is so explosive, such a speedster. I bumped that down to 4.6 for Robinson, and that still might be generous as good as he is. This line has not opened up a single lane this entire preseason. So I bumped him down to 4.6 yards per carry, which brings it down to 1,191 uh, rushing yards, which I'm sure will hurt him in those projection standings. But there's a lot to like about this guy. Again, we just talked about how they've led the leagues in pass attempts. I mean, uh, rush attempts, Darren Bevel and Brian Schottenheimer, both separate times they had rookie quarterbacks. It was Mark Sanchez for Schottenheimer. It was Russell Wilson for um what's his name freaking bevel so ultimately i think there's going to be a ton of rushing volume now that etn's removed i think the vast majority of that does go to james robinson a, a guy that uh, won people leagues last year i love the player i uh, he won me some leagues last year can do it as a receiver as well but he's not going to be that 90 percent snap guy we saw last year carlos hyde comes in and herb meyer stand over uh that from ohio state he brings in his own guys guarantee you he gets way more carries than he ever should just to be a nuisance he's going to come in at the the red zone every now and again so that's going to be more annoying than it should be but for for Robinson's credit Urban Meyer did come out and say I love this guy I think he's the foundation of our team like we're going to be great with him and he does run the inside zone in college the inside zone game for Urban Meyer was fantastic think about the, the his love for workhorses you had Zeke over 300 touches every year Dobbins over 300 I mean he he built it around a workhorse and that's his style so Robinson could see close to 300 touches this year in which case you know he'll be around three steal uh, and, and that's kind of what I'm expecting. I actually do really like Robinson as a player. I like his projected volume. And he's just about the only piece of this uh, running, uh, certainly of the running game. There's only one other receiver I'm really interested in. Well, Don't want Lawrence. Do want Robinson. And then there's a couple receivers I think we need to talk about. All right. We're going to talk about the receivers because I'm about to take some real exception with some of your uh, projections on some, oh, baby. On, on some of these receivers. Uh, they, 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 have, they have talent. They, they, they have do. a talented receiving core. Marvin Jones, LaVisca Chenault, DJ Chark. Um, we've got Jones, you've got projected for 67 catches for a little under 900 yards, seven touchdowns. That's on 105 targets. Chenault, you've got 86 catches, 920 yards, eight touchdowns. That's on 115 targets. You've got DJ Chark, uh, you know, getting 56 catches, 756, seven touchdowns on 90 targets. Now, the projections, okay. And I'm not sure how you possibly have these got this particular guy as high as you do, but you got Jones by projections. You got 38 and 48 on the big board. You got Chark 52 projections and 45 on the big board. LaVisca Chenault, you have 29th on your big board. You have him 13th in your projections. Oh, wow. They, so here are the guys that you have scoring less than LaVisca Chenault. Keenan Allen, Allen Robinson, <laughs> McLaurin, Godwin, Amari Cooper, Tyler Lockett, Julio, Brandon Ayuk, Deontay Johnson, Claypool, T. Higgins, Adam Thielen, just to name a few. I don't know. I looked at this several times. I was like, this can't be right. Is this right? Yes and no. <laughs> so, no, I don't think he outscores all those guys. Hence why he's 29 on my big board right. as compared to 13. What I did is after Etienne got hurt, I bumped a ton of that volume going to Chenault. I'll, I'll have to revisit it. I'll relook at it. And I have a conversation coming up tomorrow with Jordan Shipley of Sports Illustrated covering the Jags. So what I what I am projecting here, though, is there's one thing beyond the inside zone game that Urban Meyer does well, and that's using this joker type of guy. Think about Percy Harvin at Florida, Curtis Samuel at Ohio State. Those guys, if you did like fantasy college football, would have been some of the biggest monsters, averaging over 24 points per game for Harvin, 25 points per game for Samuel. He uses them so versatile and so uniquely as both runners and receivers, drawing up tons, peppering these guys with screens, with end arounds. And that role has been a, a huge producer in this offense so i thought that was going to be etn now that he's out 
Chenault's by far the best guy they have for that role on the roster. Now, he's not quite as quick as a Harvin, as a Samuel, as the ETN that he envisioned, and that's probably why he took ETN, because Chenault, even though he's a good runner, he's more of a powerful north-south bruising type of runner, not so much the quick, shifty guy that he's made his money with, Urban Meyer, in the past. So I don't know if the marriage will be quite as great as these projections say, but I do think there is so, so much upside with Chenault because of his versatility as a runner and receiver to be this joker, and if he inherits that role and, and Urban Meyer actually gives him what he d- uses college players at and, and is coaching it on the field with a megaphone, is any indication he's probably going to be putting in the same type of scheme? Chanel could have a monster season. I love the player, love the talent, and I love the role I think he's going into. I just want to make sure that is the actual role. Hence the big discrepancy. I guess thir- 13 would be like, everything works out for LaVisca Chanel. He certainly won't be scoring more than most of those names you said, unless he ultimately hits a ceiling. So this is a ceiling projection. I do have to bring that back and dial that back a little bit, given my, you know, overall hatred for this team and for this offense. But if anybody from this receiving core is going to explode, I think it would be him. Marvin Jones has also played really well with Trevor Lawrence so far as his preferred target. Um, But you know, Chenault's the one I'm looking at. I love him. He's falling around like 10 right now. It would be an absolute steal. I have him as a around six type of player. So I, even though my projections are a little absurd right now, and I will bump those down, I still want to emphasize I really, really, really like LaVisca Chenault. I love James Robinson as well. And Marvin Jones, I don't mind at his price. Other than that, I'm not going to touch any more Jags. That's completely fair. The tight end situation I have written next to it, I just said not worth mentioning at all. Nope. No, I think 63 yards and 189. I I just threw a couple little passes to their way. I, I don't even know who these guys are. Chris Manhurts and James O'Shaughnessy. Like, fucking no. Nothing. <laughs> You're not buying James O'Shaughnessy's stock? No. Say sprinting to, to get to that. No. And that's why I do think, like, Marvin Jones and Chenault could both be viable because there's not a whole lot. Yeah. Well, Chark as well. Yeah. I think there could. this is one of those offenses where there's really no one else to throw to beyond those three receivers and James Robinson and on a team that should probably play from behind a bit. So I do think three receivers coming out of here, even if it's a gross offense, and even if you know Trevor Lawrence only throws for 3,500 yards, that could still sustain three decent wide receivers in fantasy, particularly, again, Chenault, I want to emphasize. Before we move on to the last team, I will just say Marvin Jones, who I did get in my auction draft for two bucks. He's on my bench. I like he was, that. He was the wide receiver 18 last year. That's wild. That's amazing. I mean, that's, I mean, that's for the Lions, right? Yeah, I mean that's those are unless I'm mistaken, I'm pretty sure I, I looked that up actually. I mean, it doesn't that, surprise me though. I've I've always been a huge Marvin Jones. Like as a yeah. player fan, he comes up with some jump balls that you're just like, where did this guy come from? Such yeah. a good leaper, great route runner. Like he's he's going to be Trevor Lawrence's best friend in terms of his ability to separate better than anyone on this team in terms of his way to win the contested balls when he doesn't separate better than anyone else on this team. I, I think Marvin Jones, you know, maybe that's the reason I should be a little lower on Chenault. He's I think he's the best. For sure over Chark. I think a lot of people still have Chark number one among these receivers. I have him number three among these receivers. I am off the Chark train. Uh, that finger injury didn't hurt. Uh, you know, certainly didn't help, but I already had him third among these receivers. So I think Jones and Chanel, yeah, wide receiver 18. That's kind of crazy, though, Now That's You had me guess, I would have probably said like 27. So yeah, that's, that's I would have said in the 25 to 30 range also, but we yeah. would have been wrong, I think. Yes. All right, let's move on to the one team in the division who I actually think is pretty good. Yeah. Uh, that's the Tennessee Titans. That's for last. And Ryan Tannehill, who has continued to impress, let's say it. Like the guy's been yeah. a legit quarterback for a few years now. And you've got him going 366 for 550 for almost 4,500 yards, 33 touchdowns, 11 picks. And adding, I mean, the guy is a, a legit running threat also. 56 rushes, 263 for six touchdowns. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's good enough for your quarterback 11 projected-wise. You actually have him 10 on your big board. I mean, you have A.J. Brown, you have Julio Jones. In addition to a, a running back that's going to constantly be moving you down to the red zone, Tannehill does have that sneaky, as you said, a little, little bit of athleticism to him. Uh, he's going to run in for scores. He's going to chuck throws. Been among the most efficient quarterbacks the last two years two years ago was the quarterback two from the time he took over to the end of the year last year he put up 350 fantasy points if you did that any other season other than last year it would have been top three from like 2019 to 2012 he would have been top three quarterback last year just so happened that seven quarterbacks put up 370 points it was a ridiculous year for quarterback scoring so he was only quarterback eight 
but he still had a monster season. The one concern for me is Arthur Smith has left one of the best play callers, I think, in this NFL game right now. Did so many wonders to like kind of get Ryan Tannehill de-gaced, like get Gase out of his system, helped him come along, uh, and was such a, a great play caller, especially in the red zone. Uh, Titans have been number two and number one in red zone efficiency in back-to-back years. That's Smith's calling card, I hope that their new offensive coordinator can do that. Uh, Todd, what's his name? Downing, Todd Downing. The last time he was a play caller was with the, the Raiders, and it was the year after Derek Carr was your MVP. Todd Downing came in and just fucked everything up. He had Crabtree, he had Cooper, he had a great Derek Carr, and the offense just sucked. So I am a little nervous. Like If, if he fucked that offense up, you, you say, how, how could you possibly screw up A.J. Brown, Julio Jones, Derek Henry, and a good quarterback in Tannehill? <laughs> I, maybe There's people that could find a way. Right? This guy could. That's my one <laughs> real worry with Tannehill and really anybody in this offense beyond, of course, injury. Uh, but I, I still think the guy's in for a great year. How could he not? Uh, yeah, I agree. Uh, he's a guy that I wouldn't have minded getting in the draft. He was in my kind of uh, Stafford, uh, Brady, Tannehill. I had all those guys kind of in. I was like, I want to get one of those guys, maybe Fitzpatrick, maybe a little bit below those guys. I ended up getting Stafford for two bucks. I love so, it. Yeah. I, I would say that's the exact tier he should be in. And like, I keep saying, you know, you need Trey Lance, you need Justin Fields, and then a bridge. It would be that much better to go like Tannehill round nine and then one of those guys to know you have like a legit top 10 quarterback all year. And you're not just banking on maybe Fitz will blow up. You know, I think he will, but that's certainly less of a floor than what Ryan Tannehill is bringing. So I round nine, especially if you've already filled out your receivers, you got your good tight end and Logan Thomas are better. And you have you know, at least two to three running backs. I think it might make even more sense to go like Tannehill nine, Trey Lance 10 and kind of give yourself a legit, like not just a bridge, but a really firm bridge that even if Lance didn't play, you have yourself a good top 10 option all year. That's what I, I have Stafford and Lance. And I, I think that's amazing. And like that's beautiful. <laughs> I, I, I did pretty much the same thing that you recommended there. All right, let's yeah. move on to the running back work. And before <laughs> I talk about this guy, the man. I just want to say, think about the years that we spent. I mean, what's how many years has Henry been in the league now? Four, five? What? I think this is his sixth season this year. Yeah. Wow. Do you remember when he came in? Yeah, it was the first season of the RSJ, I think. Yeah. That he was our you, flag. <laughs> you were just like so all over this guy. And he is the same, uh, you know, combine stats as like Von Miller, but he's a running back, all this stuff. And you were just like, I'm, it must have been driving you crazy. Yeah. The first three years or whatever this guy's career, because you were just like, I see what's there. This yep. guy is like a dump truck that <laughs> runs like really fast and hard, and no one can stop him. Just give him the ball. And they just didn't. Yeah. They just they just didn't do it. And then at some point, I guess last year, the year before, they're like, hey, I got a crazy idea. Let's start handing this guy that's like the size of a, a dump truck and speed of a dump truck the ball. It's something a, sexier than a, a dump truck, like a freight train or a bulldozer. Dump truck makes it sound like it's just like but, gross. But he has dump weird. truck numbers. These numbers. Eddie, Eddie Lacy's a dump truck now. No, like, Eddie, Eddie, Lacy's like a, Eddie Lacy is like a cement mixer. <laughs> that, that, like Max is out at like 30 on the highway. There's <laughs> yeah, some know, there's yeah. some fast, like expensive dump trucks that you wouldn't want to get hit by. Okay, and, fine. And he's, like, like, let's, he's a 2021 brand new dump truck state-of-the-art everything nice rims and all that stuff ripping for 80 miles an hour down yeah, yeah, yeah. right <laughs> and so, and these are dump truck numbers that 366 carries 1830 yards 20 touchdowns on the ground yeah and like and like no receiving work yep. like like 10 <laughs> catches or something like that that's that's why i say he's dump truck if he's catching balls out of the backfield and stuff he's maybe some more versatile vehicle you don't have to be when you're this guy, you just like, give me the ball and I'm just going to plow through people. And man, he's good at it. (laughs) Sure is. Yeah. And I think what you bring up one is I've always loved the guy and none of those years did I really ever jump ship. So it burned me for two seasons. And ever since then it's been glorious. That's kind of why I wish we got into dynasty earlier. Cause I've always said, don't worry like this moron coach, 
someday someone's going to come in and give this guy the rock. And in 2019, it became very clear. Arthur Smith was that guy. We were plus 27. I think ECR, he was going, Derek Henry was going, it's kind of crazy to think of these days. He was going round three because of all that misusage, even though Arthur Smith came out and said, I'm going to feed this guy all he can handle. People didn't trust it. And we're like, you can get Derrick Henry in round three. This is a joke. He should be going mid-round two at the latest. And, of course, he you know, led the league in rushing back-to-back years, led the league in rushing touchdowns back-to-back years. And guess what? If Nick Chubb doesn't do it, then Derrick Henry's doing it again. Absolute steamroller. I think there's so many, like, far – and a lot of guys I do respect – I think get way too cute about Derrick Henry. I get he doesn't catch passes. He was still the PPR RB3 last year, despite catching nothing. The same thing is going to happen this year. Sure, Julio Jones is there and going to take some touches, but he's also going to help this offense be in the red zone even more. He's going to help it. So how how do you stack the box when you have A.J. Brown and Julio Jones on the outside? You can't. So the lanes are going to be wider than Derrick Henry's ever seen. The line is still very, very solid. And I think all but one starter returns. The guy is just a steamroller and anybody looking to like make him their first round bust. So many people are doing that. And it's just like, why he's such, he's a tank. He's not going to get hurt. I mean, knock on wood, anybody could get hurt any given week, but like this guy is built tank is better than a fucking dump truck. Now. I don't know, man. I don't think a tanks is being that fast. It doesn't. He doesn't need to be fast. He just steer. He, no, but he no, is really fast. Uh, do you really think of dump trucks as fast? Like who? Who thinks? So, dump all right. Tr- so here's the thing. When you hear the word dump truck, like you you're, pro- you're probably thinking of like a dump truck from like the '80s, driving down like a dirt road with like six guys in the back and like the bumpers yes. falling off. I'm thinking of like a you know jet black like 2021, just like. Just like one of those dump trucks where you could fit like eight people in the cab and like they go like <laughs> 90 really easily. Really expensive, like something I could never afford. Okay, fine. Uh, like, I mean, I, I you know, I, oh, drive, I drive a total mom car. I drive a Honda Pilot. I mean, I, I think <laughs> I, I don't think of him as a Honda Pilot. No, and nor should you. The guy's a monster. And I think anybody that ranks him otherwise is just trying to find a reason to to be bold. Like Henry's going to be top five, no matter what your format is, even if he doesn't catch the ball, he's going to score. He almost had 20 touchdowns last year. Like he's going to smash all of the, he's going to, he's just going to be great. Don't get cute. Take him in your top three. Don't listen to everybody else. That has it. I was in a PPR draft for, for an expert league net. And I had pick 11. He went pick 10. I was sitting there like oh. licking my lips, like, Oh my God, I'm about to get Derek Henry at 11. Like I couldn't believe it. And he, he had the pick before me. I got Travis Kelsey, which I was going to say, did you get Kelsey? I did get Kelsey, which I loved at 11. Uh, but man, the, the disrespect for Henry, I just simply don't get It's far too cute. In my opinion. Disrespect him at your own peril people. Absolutely. And speaking of dump trucks, riding down dusty roads, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm from the South and from an extremely rural place. And I rode in a lot of backs of dump trucks down, <laughs> you know, like, 40 miles an hour, 50 miles an hour down these bumpy roads. And just looking back on it, just amazing. I was never like just rocketed out of the back of one of those things. <laughs> like, like it's something I would have a heart attack if I saw my kid doing now, but yeah. all the time. things are, things are different in the South. Right. Anyway, it sounds like right. it. <laughs> right. Anyway, uh, receiving is a solid, really good one, two receiving core. Do you think it's the best one, two that there is in the league? Yeah, as long as Julio still has it, and he, for when he was healthy last year, he certainly still had it. Okay, I, I think it's the best one too. Yeah. Okay, AJ Brown trios, but yeah, yeah, okay, maybe the best duo in the league. AJ Brown, ninety catches, thirteen hundred forty-one yards, twelve touchdowns. That's on one hundred and thirty-eight targets. Uh, good enough for wide receiver six projection-wise. You've got him at eight on the big board. Julio Jones, eighty-eight catches on one hundred and thirty-two targets. A lot of targets for both of these guys. Twelve hundred thirty-two yards, seven touchdowns. And that's good enough for 19 on each of your lists. Yeah, I love them both. Uh, I mean, certainly A.J. Brown, one of my favorite players to watch. I think maybe the best like all-around wide receiver in the game in terms of going deep, in terms of after the catch, in terms of being able to outleap defenders. He does it all. I love A.J. Brown. I would put him as a top three talent um, in the league. Nothing bad to say about the guy other than there's rumblings like, He's expected to be ready for week one after having knee surgery this offseason. And that kind of came out of nowhere. You just kind of slide that in between other stupid random news. Right. Exactly. Oh, also, his knee surgery went well. 
Yeah, it's, and so well, yeah, right, exactly. And it's just like, oh, that, that's worrisome. I mean, he, he did what he did last year. I believe he finished like number seven in fantasy points on a, a destroyed knee all year. I can only imagine, assuming he's healthy, what he could do. I had I had him ready to be number two in my list until Julio Jones got here. Uh, so now that will obviously become another guy eating targets, whereas AJ Brown could have been like a two hundred target guy, one thirty eight, one thirty two for him. But I do like that about this offense is. It, there's only three mouths. It's, it's very condensed, and it's three great mouths. And I think all of them, there's certainly enough volume to feed one, two, three, Henry, A.J. Brown, Julio Jones. I guess the one rub would be like, if one gets hurt, what kind of happens? Well, they could go berserk, or the whole thing kind of c- compose on itself because Josh Reynolds, Des Fitzpatrick, like, there's nothing really behind them. Uh, but And then you'll get the tight ends, Anthony Ferkser, no, Jeff Swain. Like, I don't even know if I'll have to go to the tight ends because they're useless. It's going to go all A.J. Brown, Julio Jones, and Derrick Henry. And I have no problem getting any of those guys and stacking all them up with Tannehill. Like, very high-powered offense that only goes to three mouths. That's what you want in fantasy. Worst tight end division in football. I'm going to say that now that we've done all eight. I'm just looking at the tight end options on these teams, and it's like, you know, Mo Ali Cox is the cream of the crop. I was going to say, who was the best of all these teams? Like, yeah, Mo um, Ali Cox. Oh, for tight ends, it's definitely the Colts tight ends. But <laughs> I mean, that, but that's damning with faint praise. It's not a great squad. No, end. not at all. Right. So anyway, if you're going to take my parting shot here is you don't want to go all in on AFC South tight ends. No, not at all. That and would I ruin think, your team. It would. And I thought Ferkster might be useful. He was good in his starts last year at a couple big games. But he's been running second team this whole entire preseason. I don't understand that. I, I thought he was going to be the, their kind of John U. Smith in an offense that's been very creative with their tight ends in the past. But if he can't run first team when there's no one ahead of him, what's his point? What's his role? So he's he's the guy that I did like for a little while, bumped him down big time so far this preseason. I, I, yeah, there's no tight end that I want in this division. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for those of you. There's so many of you guys that came to all eight of these. Awesome. A lot of you guys catching the replays, commenting in that you love it. Thank you so much. I think this will be an annual tradition after the way it went this year. I loved it. I think, Truth, you had a good time as well, um, for sure. So you guys are great. We really, really appreciate it. As I've said all along, these projections will be uploaded onto the site uh, for you guys to access them, um, sort them by the scoring, all that stuff. I believe by the end of the week, we're working with a developer to figure out how to get those up alongside of course my investing guide i really want i know it's such a popular draft weekend so i'll be the rest of today all of tomorrow till it's out like i I won't be stopping i might pull an all-nighter i haven't done that since college but i've got the coffee ready i bought a ton of cold brew i'm making sure this stuff's ready for you guys this weekend uh and and hopefully it will be up on the site for you guys even if not my big board's there rotorstreetjournal.com um, or in the app as well, which I'll be updating throughout the games alongside the projections. Um, and you can find me at Roto Street Wolf. If you got your draft coming up and you want to ask a question or two, feel free to hit me up in the DMs there on Twitter. I'll be there to find you, be there to talk with you guys. Means the world that you guys are here supporting us. And if you haven't already, hit that thumbs up button. If you liked what you saw, consider subscribing as well on YouTube, turning on the bell so you know when we're live or at the podcast as well. If you prefer audio, fancy fullback dive, we paid that path. Two 2021 titles, enough promotion. Thank you guys again so much. I really, really appreciate it. And I am the wolf. I'm the truth. In a world full of fancy sheep, guys, be that wolf. Later, guys. Later. We used to have it all, but now's our curtain call. So hold for the applause. Oh, oh, oh. And wave out to the crowd and take our final bow. Football right there, folks.